uh, looking back on two memorable classicos for different reasons, welcome to Hand of Pod. one and all to episodes um what episode is it 419 of hand of pod i'm sam kelly and this week i'm joined by andres hello welcome santi hi guys long time and hopefully english town who we're hoping fingers crossed you'll be able to hear now can you hear me out there can you hear me Dan is once again having a few microphone issues, um, so just let's hope that it all goes to plan. Um, they're recording on Zoom again. Uh, the the good news for listeners who are wondering is that we're recording on Zoom now uh, because I'm really busy rather than because of the COVID situation. Uh, numbers seem to be coming down just about enough uh, to be a bit less terrifying again. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to record in person next week if Dan's living room is still available, but we'll have to see. Uh, anyway, results results from uh, the round of matches that have happened since we last recorded. Huracan beat Beles 2-0, thus getting uh, my predictions off to a fantastic start. Uh, Defensa, because I think I went for a Beles win in that one. Defensa y Justicia versus Gimnasia was a five-goal thriller, and Defensa y Justicia won by the odd goal in it, 3-2. Platense lost to Banfield, thus spoiling our prediction that Union versus Platense was going to be a clash of 100 percenters, uh, or of at least the group leaders next week. Uh, Colón versus Barracas Central was rather closer than we predicted, but Colón did win it. It was 2-1. Rosario Central lost at home 2-1 to Godoy Cruz. Aldo Civi, Aldo Civi and Central Córdoba produced the only goalless draw of the weekend. Independiente and Boca Juniors produced a 2-2 draw in Avellaneda, um, which was practically water polo by the end of it. Sarmiento beat Union 2-1 in, uh, in Junín, thus very much um, adding to Platense's defeat to mean that Platense versus Union this, this weekend is going to be much, much, much less of a high-profile clash than we expected. Estudiantes beat Arsenal 3-2. River and Racing drew 2-2 in a proper game of two halves in the Monumental. Argentinos and San Lorenzo drew 1-1 in La Paternal. Tacheres lost 2-1 at home to Newell's. Lanús and Tigre also produced the only goalless draw of the weekend. Um, something that I said Aldo Civi and Central Cordoba did because I've forgotten that Lanús Tigre also finished nil-nil and Atletico Tucumán beat Patronato de la Juventud Católica 1-0 in Tucumán um, obviously we're going to start with those all five uh, all big five clashes four goals in each of them um, and as I said at the very beginning there to start the theme tune uh, both very memorable matches indeed albeit for very different reasons. Uh, Independiente Boca on Saturday evening was played at the tail end of a biblical rainstorm. I mean, 
some of the hardest rain I can remember seeing since I've lived in Buenos Aires, and that is a pretty high bar to clear. Uh, who wants to talk us through it? Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that was that 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 was biblical. I mean, the, I think that that's the best uh, that's the best word I could use to describe it. But still, I I, I will say this. Even despite the the rain and the and the thunderstorm that uh, populated that uh, that night, I would say that uh, the the rain was outstaged by one of the most shocking refereeing performances I've seen in my entire life. Partly because of the rain as well, but we'll get onto that. I mean, <laughs> talk us through the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Both things are, of course, related. Mm. No doubt about that. But, uh, I mean, throughout the game, Facundo Telos refereeing was just something else in terms of, you know, nonsensical decisions and trying to just... Uh, it, it, I, I, told, I told you this while, while, while the game was going on and uh, the the whole, you know, rain shitstorm... Uh, unraveled but during the whole game he was refereeing as if he barely knew the rules of the game and he began to learn them as the game went you know well and also uh, as if is... he didn't know what the pitch markings meant i mean Boca went one nil up with a penalty for a handball that took place outside the box yeah and then i he mean admittedly you know, that's, that's at least as much the linesman's fault as the referees you would think but still it's like yeah and, that, and then he compensated no 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 no, 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 no. It wasn't a handball. It was a foul. Oh, was it? I thought it hit the guy's hand. Yeah, it was, it was a, a really, really stupid foul from, uh, I think, who was it? Uh, Gonzalez? Lucas Gonzalez? No, 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 no. It oh. was Lucas Rodriguez. The left Rodriguez, back, sorry. <laughs> it was a really stupid foul from Lucas Rodriguez. This will so, teach me to, to watch without commentary on because I thought they were calling it for the, <laughs> the fact that the ball had hit the defender's hand on the edge of the well, no, no, on the no, edge no, of no. the was, uh, and, and and there was no there was no doubt that was that was a very clear penalty because then uh, okay. the, the, the foul was really, really I mean he he arrived late at the ball and then uh, Bija uh, capitalized and tried to put himself in a position where he could be fouled and he got fouled. And that's how um, the penalty was given. Uh, but after that, then uh, Insaurralde clearly hit Bija in the face uh, and somehow avoided a red card. Um, after that, he just um, began to, you know, try to compensate with, you know, you know how um, when you... When you give a call like that, when you fuck up in that way, the typical South American uh, measure for that is to compensate by, you know, uh, giving, uh, you know, um, devious or, you know, uh, I don't know how to say this, but, you know, uh, those kind of debatable referring decisions to the, say, to the team that was affected by the previous, uh, by the previous call. Yeah. So that's what happened throughout the game, I think, with a few exceptions. But still, I think, uh, I mean, and well, the, the game went through despite that. And then, and then after that, uh, he showed a yellow card to what was a very trivial foul by Frank Fabra, 
before he before the independent players reminded him that Farah was already booked before. Mm. So he was sent off for the most inconsequential foul for the simple reason that he forgot that Farah was already booked. Yeah, he thought he was giving him a, a yellow card, a first yellow card as a warning, because you've you know accumulated so many or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, and uh, and after that, of course, the the rain became heavier and uh, the game became unplayable. And for like, ever I think ever since like the seventy fifth minute, I think the game should have been suspended. But mm. shockingly, he decided to to go through until the eighty seventh or eighty eighth minute, oh, was in with, which he found. Sorry, it was it was with a minute and a half of the ninety left. Um, exactly and I mean I think even by the time Favre was sent off which was the 70th minute it was already getting kind of borderline by the time Independiente scored the equaliser the, the the TV people had already had to switch to using footage from behind the, the goals because the wide angle camera you just couldn't see the pitch on it at all yeah. that's it was, how it was something the was. For, for those who saw it on TV it was kind of like a ghost goal mm. in a way Yeah, because they barely saw the ball get, the ball going in so you know, once that happens, I think it's just uh, such a clear uh, indication that the game cannot go through in any way. And this guy decided to to move along for like 10 more minutes until the game was suspended for like 15 extra minutes for just two games of regular time, which is, you know, yeah. the stupidest way you could have dealt with this kind of stuff. It was, um, as, as I said in our WhatsApp group, by the time you get to the point where there's a minute and a half of the 90 left, and then plus, I mean, what are you going to add on? Another four minutes or something. And you've already been playing in these conditions for the last 20 minutes. Why not just finish the game? But instead he made, you know, apart from the ridiculousness of holding the match up as well, he was making himself and his fellow officials and also all of the players and all of the fans just have to stand around in the pissing rain for an extra, you know, for 20 minutes longer than they should have had to. So they could have all been... Exactly out of a nice hot shower and, and, and getting dry again long before the match was actually over. Um, and, you know, it, as, as the commentators were saying as well at one point, because I'd switched the commentary on by that point, uh, if he does call it off by that point, then what, you're going to make both teams come back to the stadium and play two halves of two minutes each to get the match finished. Yeah, the, you know, the just, thing just, is, just even, even, if, even if he did that, there is actually some precedent Mm. It's not just in football for that from that happening. Remember that uh, that uh, I think was it the Metropolitana final between Comunicaciones and Deportivo Riestra. Yeah. So even if even if he decided to do that, we wouldn't be all that shocked because after all, it has already happened before. Yeah, yeah. So... I mean, really, you know. I think the sensible thing for the AFA would be to to come up with some rule where if there's less than five minutes to play when the game gets called off, I don't know. But then, of course, you start getting lots of people saying, oh, no, we're, we're being ill done by, you know, Independiente having come back and the momentum was kind of with them, would possibly justifiably have said, oh, you know, we could have pushed on for a winner if we'd have been able to carry on playing. So it's not perfect, but when when the calendar's as packed as it is and you've got midweek rounds taking place every other week or something, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it made absolutely no sense. And well, as as it happened, nothing happened in those like five or six minutes of football that were actually played. And it was all amplified by the fact that the clock uh, kept going for all those minutes where the game was 
holds it. Mm. And that meant that uh, by the time uh, the play resumed, people really didn't know how much was, was yeah. going to be played because, I mean, the clock um, showed that there was like 118 minutes played and six more, but people never actually realized when the game resumed, when play resumed. So they were all the more confused by those final six or so minutes. Yeah, and in this kind of um, context, it, it, it does it really make, it was obviously, it was fantastic entertainment for for the neutrals and we were all able to laugh quite heartily at what was going on as well. Um, but does it really make much sense to ask what anybody thought of the performances of the two teams? Yeah, I mean, I was, I think uh, there was at one point or another going to be mentioned, but I think um, it's, uh, I think it's a good, uh, I would say it's a good uh, uh, summary of what Independiente are about uh, in this, in this season, in the sense that I think they, uh, they've got a massive, massive, massive upgrade in terms of uh, the management. Uh, I think um, even in, without questioning, you know, Falcioni's achievements as a, as a manager, I think uh, Eduardo Dominguez is just some uh, such a more inspired fit in terms of uh, of style of play and uh, what Independiente are all about and what they represent hmm. than Falcioni. But Jesus Christ, the level of this squad! Jesus, it's, I think it's. Probably one of the weakest, weakest squads in the painting I've ever had. Like seriously, there. I think uh, maybe the the player who has the most, um, you know, the I would say the best relationship with the goal, with the opposite goal. I think it would be center back Juan Manuel Binzarralde because there's not a single player in that squad who can guarantee goals in that team. And that's saying something considering the only striker that derived in that team, the only, you know, out-and-out striker is a guy who hasn't played in Argentina for more than a decade and who has had to have a, something of a month of adaptation because he didn't do any preseason, so he spent preseason just fucking around and, you know, gaining weight or something. So, I mean, so what, what, uh, Leandro Venegas. Who made his debut uh, against Boca in in a in a hilarious kind of uh, uh, cameo where he tried to go for a loose ball. He he managed to to keep the ball in the in bounds, but then he tumbled around the pitch. And then when he came back, he gave this horror tackle mm. right after that to a, to a Boca player. I think you can find the the video footage somewhere if you Google Leandro Venegas against Boca. But it's incredible. But anyway, what I'm tr what I'm trying to go is that uh, I think uh, in the, in the whatever measure, you, whatever you know assessment you have to get to, you have to consider the fact that this squad is extremely limited. And having said that, I think they they give up they give a pretty decent showing uh, against the Boca team, who are clearly much more even if book are a mess and always are a mess i think they are uh they give a pretty decent uh, showing for themselves in, in terms of how they competed against a much a side with a, a lot more quality and you could see that in the fact that they the the two goals they scored they just stumbled across those goals when they had to really 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 work to to get those two equalizers 
uh, and that showed. And uh, I think that is a uh, testament to what uh, Eduardo Dominguez can do in, in these circumstances. But I think the they will struggle in, in general, even if this is, a, this is a decent result for them. Yeah, it, it's an illustration, really, isn't it, of, of well, what you were just saying about Independiente's centre forward. And meanwhile, Boca have been able to bring back Dario Benedetto, who perhaps didn't have the best time away from Argentina, um, but is always going to score goals at, at this level to coin a, well, to use a cliche. Um, yeah, D- D- Damian Batashini, I think, is the sort of, for me at least, probably the, the shining jewel in Independiente's uh, creative fulcrum, but he's not really got anybody to give the ball to. <laughs> yeah, I think it's... Um... He's a, he's a decent signing. I'm no no doubt about about that. And I think he it's he's clearly been the the pick of the bunch uh, among this group of players. He's uh, not just uh, probably one of the better uh, the players with the better technique, I would say, in the side. But also he's got loads of work ethic. He's running all around the pitch for the duration of the ninety minutes. And uh, considering the fact that he was uh, rather is sick um, when he had to play. I think he was. Uh, now it's it's been um, it's been revealed that he has a problem with a sore throat and uh, some some kind of flu, which is not COVID. Just to be, be sure about <laughs> that. Uh, I mean, these days you have to be sure. Mm. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he he played while while being a little feeling ill, and uh, it's now he's a doubt to play uh, next week. And so even the, the the fact that despite that he was. By far and away, the the pick of the bunch for Independiente. I think that's a lot about him and his level and what he can give to this really, really weak Independiente side. Yeah, the, just the characteristics that you were just listing him for. I was thinking is is just no no real surprise when you look at where he's come from, which is Argentina Juniors. It is absolutely. I'm not going to say necessarily typical in terms of the player they always produce, but he's certainly the stereotypical. Uh, Argentino Juniors youth product, this this creative, you know, and we all know who the ultimate one of those is. Creative, very, very hardworking um, and slightly mercurial. Um, the other big match that we can't possibly not talk about took place in Belgrano uh, on Sunday night. And as I said, it was a game of two halves. The football, it has to be said, was rather better than Independiente Boca. Um, but it was also, you know, much kinder uh, conditions to produce good football. Um, and Dan, I'm going to start with you because after the build-up that we gave this match last week, I'm guessing that you're pretty happy with escaping with a draw, and particularly after River were 2-0 up at half-time. Yeah, absolutely. It appears that we were all wrong. We'd given it up um, as a River win, not without reason because that just happens in almost every River wrestling game in in recent years, but I was I was absolutely delighted as a as a wrestling fan to see how the team came together. I think there was a hint of it in the game before against Argentinos. And correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I, we don't have Andres here to tell me I'm uh, I'm a liar, but you guys who might be a little bit more tethered to reality um, might have a different opinion. But what I saw was um, obviously Racing very happy to come away with a draw. Um, for the context of being two goals down, but also I think the performance was of a sufficient quality in that 
they could really have um, have got more out of that game because from from what I watched, uh, River really made the difference in kind of a 15, 20, 25 minute spell in the, in the first half um, where they were on top and the two goals they scored were really, really just come out of nowhere as a brilliant individual goal from Ezequiel Barco uh, who just picked the ball up in midfield, ran a little bit and put in a fantastic shot um, when he really didn't have a shot on and and the second goal was was pretty similar um, Rassi making a mistake coming out from the back but it didn't really look like there was anything on but it was a really good pass to set up Nico de la Cruz and again almost uh, a carbon copy of Barco's shot this like crossed shot right into the into the corner of the net, lie down, which was really impossible to save. Um, it's kind of like these two goals almost from, from nowhere, from broken plays, and that put Racing under the caution. I think we all thought, uh, oh shit, the worst is going to happen now. But credit to Racing, they came back and they absolutely dominated the second half. Um, mm. Gabriel Auchi again. I can't believe what's happening to this guy because I remember I watched him back in. I think it was 2014 or 2015, his last year with with Racing when um, when they won the league. And he was all right. You know, he was always a fairly hard worker, you know, um, headless chicken kind of player. But now he's 35 or whatever, and he's a better player than, he was, than when he was 25. It's like um, he's doing a football in Benjamin Button, just coming, getting better <laughs> with, with age. Um, he looks intelligent. He's set up. The, the first goal went to Copetti's really good header. I know uh, a lot of Racing fans like to, uh, like to cast aspersions on Copetti, and it's always almost always justified, but he's come back now with two goals in the last two games. And then Lionel Miranda, arguably man of the match, he had a great game in, in a packed Racing midfield too, which was a, which was a tactical triumph from, from Fernando Gago, which we haven't said that. That often during his coaching career so far, um, got the, the second goal. But I just wanted to talk about River for a second too, because can anyone explain to me uh, how bad or how broken or whatever Emmanuel Mama, Mamana is for Gacharo to put Javier Pinola, who can't, can't even walk now, ahead of him when uh, Leandro González Pérez came off with an injury in defence. I mean, Pinola, he was a great player in his time, but he's 39 and it, he just can't cut it. And that was definitely a, a big advantage for Racing. I think that was one of the turning points too when um, when that defensive uh, change kind of really left River vulnerable. I don't know if you have any insight into this, Sam. Uh, I don't. Andres might. Andres, what, what's going on with Mamana? Because he was on the bench. Uh, yes, um, yes. I, I think that Gallardo uh, uh, tried to make Mamana play in a, in a in a friendly last week, and it was clear that he wasn't still fit or at his best form. Uh, providing that he in the last year, I think he played a, a bunch of games. Uh, uh, I mean, three or four games, not a lot of games, uh, because of his uh, physical form. He had. Uh, going into into several injuries and, and serious injuries, and when he came back, it wasn't at his best, and he still uh, keeps that that, uh, that 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 form, which is not, of course, ideal to play in, in, in third division. Yeah. Sure. Yes, uh, 
that, that has answered your, your question. If, if Pinola was uh, in better uh, form than that Mamana, well, uh, uh, that, that says a lot of, about Mamana, of course. Uh, Absolutely. I suppose from Gachardo's point of view, because I know that the substitution happened like two or three minutes after uh, Racing scored their first goal. And after a period, a kind of opening 20 minutes of the second half, where, as you say, Dan, Racing really started fantastically. The, even by the time they equalized, uh, they, they got the first, that, that first goal back, it had been coming for quite some time. Um, and perhaps he just thought that Pinola, what he lacks in, in physical condition, you know, the, the experience that he's got and the mental ability to read the game was what, what River needed to, to get back on track. And um, it didn't really work. I mean, it, certainly after that first goal, River came back into it a little bit more and started to threaten more on the counter and and show a few signs of potentially making it 3-1. Um, but obviously we know how it finished off with uh, Leonel Miranda scoring the equaliser about eight minutes before the end of the game. Um, but yeah, if, if we're trying to justify the manager's decisions, and obviously Gachardo has perhaps built up a little bit more benefit of the doubt from the supporters of his team than, than most managers get. Um, that would be my guess, you know, that, that he's thinking, well, Pinola's got the, the old experienced head on his shoulders for this kind of situation um, against Mamana, especially as Andres says, if Mamana's not completely fit. But um, it'll be interesting to see what he opts for if, if Gonzalez Pires isn't available this weekend to start, um, who he opts for in, in, in the middle of defence. Apparently, he will be, uh, as it was only a, a, like a, a, a pain he had in, the, in his in his butt, <laughs> but uh, but apparently he will he will be uh, uh, he will uh, get uh, uh, in good form in, in order to, to play against San Lorenzo. Uh, but it's incredible that uh, with the number of, of center backs that River uh, signed uh, higher for this for this uh, uh, tournament, uh, and there is. Uh, a, 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 one of them injured, and, and then there are there are problems to 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 include someone who is who is fit because uh, well Martinez is clearly injured and he will have I think for two more weeks. Uh, then Gonzalez Pires has similar uh, luck with 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 a, an injured in which he, in which he has to leave the leave the match and and well Pinola. Yeah, clearly wasn't in, also in the best in the in one of the uh, main uh, options to 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 play uh, to play there. But well, it was perhaps a, a need that Gallardo had. And between Pinola and Mamana, of course, he he had to choose, and, and he chose chose Pinola. Um, yeah. But for for River, is incredibly similar starts, very very similar start to the one he, they had. Uh, in the previous uh, Liga Profesional that River won finally, uh, it is really, really incredible how similar it was because mm -hmm. in the last uh, uh, Liga Profesional, in the, the first four matches, uh, River had lost to Colón 2-1, then they won to, to Union 4-0, four, four then defeated Lanús 3-0 three, three and drew against Huracán 1-1. And in this case, they lost to Union then defeated Patronato, then defeated News, and now they drew against Racing. It's really, really incredible how, how similar starts that River had. And it was something that, they, that a lot of people said this week, that it's, it's not to justify, because of course, uh, it's something that they, they should, have, 
should be able to work, but uh, uh, that the, the, the beginnings of the, or, the, or the starts of the, of the tournaments are something that River is paying, like they don't have the ideal, the ideal start. Yeah, if, if any group of fans can find a good omen or a bad omen in a run of results, then it's Argentine fans. Um, and uh, Dan, I'm guessing just taking this back to Racing, that you know, we, we were saying last week that if they get tonked in the Monumental, that doesn't really, you know, do very much necessarily to uh, to dispel the feeling that it's been a promising start. But putting in a good performance and escaping unscathed, um, you must be daring to dream of a decent year now, surely? Decent, I think, is the, the watchword there, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't go any further than decent right now, but it's definitely encouraging that, yeah, after four games, uh, Racing were unbeaten. Um, and probably more importantly, if you look at the teams that um, they have to face, it's um, you know the reigning Argentine champions. It's the second place team in um, Defensa Justicia, and you could say like, not only did they get a decent result from there, but they could also they could even have gone a bit further and um, got victory on the right day in both those games. Um, a very encouraging win over Argentinos who. Going into that match, um, were one of the form teams of the, the first couple of fixtures. Um, and yeah, it's definitely something to build on. And I think for once, um, unlike pretty much the entirety of 2021, you're looking at this blessing team and you're thinking, right, this is actually a team. They kind of know what they're doing. They, they're playing it out in, with an idea of how to play. Uh, their forwards are going forward, they're getting shots on target, they're, they're putting pressure on another team from the back, why not leaving themselves too open and doing stupid things. I mean, this is this is football we're watching, um, and it's really quite refreshing. Um, we can only hope it lasts. I think uh, this Saturday is going to be an, a very interesting test again um, against Gasheres, who admittedly aren't the same team as they were um, Last year, when they came third, I think, in the Inbrook, in the I believe uh, so, yeah. League, um, after being kind of river's shadow for, for quite a lot of the, the campaign and then falling off. Um, again, it's you know, it's not an easy fixture for Racing. They've definitely had um, some pretty daunting fixtures to go into this, and uh, my money, they've equipped themselves well. They've definitely shown they can score goals, uh, they've got. A guy like uh, Corpetti, who's finally found a bit of confidence. Um, I know he didn't play against uh, against River, but Cardona um, is a player who can come in and really make a difference. I know I don't think every game is going to be for him, and almost uh, Racing were done a favour by by not having him available. I think from from the start against River, because um, after what we've seen in the last two games, is that Racing are doing better when. They kind of play this fast, furious football with guys like Alci, like um, Chancalai, Alcaraz, um, who are runners who can really, you know, get up and down the pitch and play in both halves. And that's not probably Cardano's forte, but he's definitely going to be very useful um, against some of the other clubs who are going to, you know, sit back and not play such a, a furious game of football against you. And then you kind of look at the fixtures to come. Um, You've got the likes of, I don't know, Atletico Tucumán, who've had a hard time of it, uh, Patronato, who uh, 
it's not very good at the moment, Sarmiento, um, let's see, of course, how, how long are plate, long platenses, moment in the sun lasts. Uh, but there's definitely reasons for, for optimism and, and it's something which you'd all, we'd already almost forgotten how to feel in the last year. So, so I'm very happy indeed. Yeah, they're one of two unbeaten teams still in Group 1, the other of whom lead Group 1, that's Banfield. Uh, they've got eight points, so they're a point ahead of River Platense, Defensa Justicia, Argentinos, Union and Sarmiento. Um, they got a 1-0 win over Platense, which was Platense's first defeat of the season uh, at the weekend. The goal from Giuliano Galoppo, which is, I think I've mentioned before, one of my favourite names um, in Argentine football at the moment. He, he did I think fairly well last season. I think last last year was his kind of breakout year, if I remember rightly. Um, I have to admit, admit. Definitely one really good year. Hmm. Uh, I must admit, I didn't see Platense versus Banfield, um, but they've certainly started well. If anybody else did, then please shout out now. Give us some opinion on it. No. Nope. Do you okay. prefer? Uh, do you prefer? Chiriano Galopo rather than Jorka Fleasco? I mean, they're both good, aren't they? They're, they're definitely up there. I would, I'd put them both in my top five of names um, at the moment. I don't know who the other three would be, but definitely those two have got to be in it. Um, Defensa y Justicia, meanwhile, are one of the teams that you have to watch if you don't care who wins or loses, but you just want to see some goals. Because in four matches, they have scored nine and conceded eight. Um, a total that is... The only other team who come close to that is Estudiantes, who top group two, having scored ten and conceded six. So much more uh, effective, and indeed much more effective, because defensively, this year have seven points from four matches, while Estudiantes, over in group two, have 12 points from four matches, which, if you're good at maths, you will have realised is maximum points. Um Estudiantes got their latest win 3-2 over Arsenal. Um, so even when you come at them and do manage to score against them, they can still score more than you. Uh, Matias Pellegrini, Leandro Diaz and Mauro Bocelli, the goal scorers there, a team of veterans, you know, from the look of that list of goal scorers. Uh, they've actually got a big challenge in about an hour and a half's time, as we record, because they've got a 1-0 deficit in the Copa Libertadores qualifiers to uh, try to overturn at home to Audax Italiano. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But did anybody manage to catch them at the weekend? No. Uh-huh. I only caught a bit of it, so I can't really comment, unfortunately. But anyway, best of luck to Estudiantes. Um, I think that we're going to take a half-time break now because Zoom is ticking down. So here's a little bit of music. Um, when we come back, we will chat a little bit more about the Copa de la Liga and answer some listeners' questions. Don't go away. Welcome back. So, any other notable 
matches from the weekend, gents. Did, did anyone watch any that you want to talk about in Argentina? <laughs> um, I don't know, I've been I've been a little bit, you know, uh, disconnected this week. I think. Yeah, I other remarkable matches, but I I or I I think we all noticed is how different Tacheres looks without without uh, uh, Alexander Medina in, in the bench mm. and, and how how is how they are playing now it looks like a team totally and uh, uh, it's like the, the the fight for the title against River uh, uh, they losing that battle uh, changed them uh, of course for for bad. Uh, it's really, really impressive uh, how how they are playing now, comparing to the to the former uh, Liga. Yeah, and they didn't have a massive squad turnover, did they, over the summer? Yeah. I mean, obviously everybody lost a few. And well, and they they players, they but... did lose they did lose one of the the best players uh, to Alaves, Nahuel Tenaglia, the yes. right back. Uh, yeah. That was the big loss, I think. Mm. But still, losing a right-back shouldn't affect your level that well, much. Maybe we're being a bit stereotypical about right-backs. or maybe I, I haven't watched uh, Aloysius in the previous matches, but I don't know whether he's injured or, or it has something to do with the, with the transfer. I think he's tight, but perhaps he's injured, and, and, and that's why he, he, he hasn't played recently. They have Girotti now, but uh, he scored the other day, I think, but... He, just in the end of the match, and it was yeah, it, it was uh, useless to for, for Tacheres to. Yes, yeah, got, got no. I was just confirming that Girotti did indeed score uh, very late on mm. for them. Uh, they have got Matias Catalan playing at right back for them at the moment, who mm. is not a player that I can really tell you very much about. Yeah, me neither. Uh, in general, I think uh, the the main the main aspect I think of Tajeres uh, uh, is uh, fall. I would say is just the managerial change. The fact that Angel Guillermojos is uh, playing at a completely different style, and the fact that he's just not as good of a manager as as smart of a, of a manager doesn't know his squad as well. As Alexander Medina, and maybe, mm. I mean, time will tell if uh, this is just a an adaptation period or it's just the fact that this uh, team has fallen off a bit. But uh, the initial signs are not exactly encouraging, I would say. No, it's going to be a bit of a case of watch this space, I think, for them. Uh, the other teams who we should give shout outs to are Tigre and out to fourth in Group Two. They've got. Uh, win and three draws, so the same record as Racing, who were eighth in Group 1, uh, but in Group 2 it's, uh, I mean, Estudiantes and Colón are hogging all the points, basically, I, I guess, which which means it's a little bit easier to creep into third and fourth places. Um, hmm. But they've, they've had a decent start to life back in the top flight, and of course this does count towards their relegation battle, because these group stage matches, as we mentioned uh, what, three or four weeks ago in our preview episode, uh, these group stage matches are going to count to the average points table, um, which is sort of taking shape now. Uh, 
Yeah, Barracas. Patronato <laughs> and Barracas Central are the, the two teams at the bottom of it. Barracas, of course, have got off to a four consecutive defeats start. So they have an average of no points per game, which is what we all <laughs> what we all want to see. You know, everybody's yeah, used to, I'll, I'll, to hearing I'll, I'll just pod. go on a limb. I'll just go on a limb and say that I think I I predict that Barracas will go down. Well, I, I won't say go down because I mean no teams will go down at the end of this Copa de la Liga, but I think they will conclude. No, but they'll go down at the end. This of the year. Copa, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but I think they will conclude this Copa de la Liga, uh, rocking up less than ten points. Oh, that's a bit. How many matches have they got to play? Fourteen. Yeah, I think yeah. they will pick up less than ten points in fourteen games. I mean, they're off to the kind of start that you. Oh, apparently they have got one point though. They've got a draw against somebody. So they're really the average the average it? point. Well, that's what it says in the group standings, but the average point standings doesn't have them on a point. Hang on a second. Let me check this against my app. Yeah, they got a draw. So who did they draw against? Chiquitapia might think that they are they are somehow cursed because uh, they, they got promoted just when when the averages will will be back uh, or the, the relegations. Yeah, uh, well, it's his yeah. decision, in fairness. So, it, it, uh, they, they, I mean, they haven't got a point. I, I beg your pardon. Patronato at the bottom of Group 1 have got a point. Yeah. Barracas Central are at the bottom of Group 2 and have lost all four of their matches. Um, and, they, and they only scored twice. Yes, indeed. Oh. Uh, you know, long-term listeners will be very familiar with, with Handapod's editorial policy of, you know, sticking up for underdogs, uh, even though, you know, half of the panellists support big clubs or sympathise with big clubs. You know, we always stick up for underdogs when there's an underdog story. And if a new team come up to the Primera or the Liga Profesional or whatever it's called this week, um, we always want them to try and stay up for the most part. But you will find none of that for Barracas Central this year. Um, well, they're not underdogs. Simple as that. Well, they very much they are in the top a... flight. Yeah, I mean, they are, but they have the support of uh, some kind of the big spheres mm. of... Uh, the the authorities not just in football I wouldn't call them underdogs. Well, we'll have to wait and see because I mean I'd, I I'm not too surprised that with the jump in quality combined with you know not perhaps having the benefit of all of the refereeing calls anymore uh, they're not doing so well. But I also think it's going to be difficult to find. I, I'm sure that there are people in Argentina who are not Barracas Central fans and who want Barracas Central to stay up because they see it as some kind of, you know, there's always going to be some contrarian person that you'll find. But by and large, uh, you know, in broad sweeping generalization terms, nobody wants Barracas Central to stay up. Uh, so, you know, fingers crossed this good, good start that they've made or bad start that they've made from their point of view uh, continues. Um, Patronato, Sarmiento, Godoy Cruz, Aldo CB and Arsenal are the other sides who are sort of down there in the conversation. They've all got fewer than 1.1 points. 1.1 points, I did say that properly, um, per game so far. But Patronato and Barracas Central the only two with less than a point a game. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I do hope that Patronato managed to stay up, but I'm not really sure who I'd want to see go down in their place along with Barracas. Probably Arsenal, yeah, really. Yeah. I think I disagree. I mean, Patronato have been absolutely hopeless for the last few years. And it feels yeah, like but the, I, just, yeah, I just like yeah, the fact but... they've got a silly name. 
Fair enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't I like mean... being able to say Patronato de la Juventud Católica when, they, when I read out the results. It's fun. <laughs> um, That's, anyway. That's a decent enough uh, argument, I would say. Yes. Uh, we've had a few questions. Uh, I hope. I'm going to start reading out our, our, our Twitter notifications anyway. Uh, River Plate Islandia um, says something that I can't read because they've written it in Icelandic, but I'm going to assume, given that they've included us in it, to uh, talking to somebody else that they're recommending us in some way. Uh, so uh, thank you very much for that, River Plate Islandia. Um, now, scroll. that was from last week, so scrolling up now. Uh, Birdie says, you may know the specifics better than me, but did those rumoured British work permit rule changes that would open the doors to young players in Latin America happen yet? And do you think they're behind City and Arsenal, Arsenal, uh, through Pires checking the league out more? Um, they definitely have happened, yes. Uh, have they? Yeah. They yeah. Have, but it hasn't been necessarily to uh, Argentina's benefit because uh, most of the players are the moves we've seen so far have been in Colombia, Ecuador, these kind of markets, which uh, are a bit cheaper than Argentina, and um, and the clubs have taken advantage. That's how Moises um, Caicedo ended up at Brighton because he wouldn't have qualified under the previous rules. He's only been uh, full international for I think six months or so before before Brighton went for him, and yeah, he was able to get his work permit and. There was another one, uh, Watford signed, oh, I can't remember his first name. He was a typically uh, flamboyant Colombian first name, but the second name was of interest, uh, Aspria. No relation. Uh, what's oh, name? yes, I saw that as well, and I can't remember his first name either. Yasif. There we go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely in place, but at the moment, um, it's... They're very much uh, focusing on other markets rather than Argentina for the simple reason is that that's where the bargains are. Um, I think in Uruguay as well is going to be one to watch in that sense. Um, I remember I think last year when I talked to, um, uh, I think we can call him a friend of the podcast, uh, Simon Edwards, and he made the, um, the point to me he does a fair bit of scouting uh, in Colombia and he said there's a hell of a lot of interest from English clubs now in Colombia, even you know down to the championship level, and that's entirely down to these these changing rules, which is just opening up this market much more to English clubs than than what was previously uh, possible. Yeah, I'd be surprised if English clubs are checking out the league, the Argentine league, a lot more than they were anyway. To be honest, because they were always you know. We've been used to it for the last decade or so, haven't we? Down being down there and bumping into, uh, you know, scouts or, or get in touch when they're coming down here or whatnot. Or you hear about such and such a club who are in like the championship have, have got a somebody down here who they they talk to regularly for recommendations and stuff. It's all quite strange, but you know they pretty much all know what's going on in Argentina. And as you say, it, it probably won't make a big difference from the Argentine point of view. It might make it slightly easier to sign players have not yet broken into the national team fully or whatever but um yeah as you say the the really big effect is going to be on other countries that aren't brazil uh in the rest of south america um probably more so um tommy buendia 
says, I'm thinking about making the trip down in August to get in touch if you do, Tommy. Any idea when the normal league schedule will be released? Also, any travel tips are appreciated, football or otherwise? Uh, the league season... Go on, Dan, you filled this one if you know the answer. I think you might know more specifics than I do, but I would say to Tommy that given that the World Cup is in November, uh, the league will definitely be underway in August, if not earlier. So you shouldn't have any problems. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the travel advice that I always give to people if they get in touch sort of months or even a year or so before they come down is don't come in in, in the, the winter or summer break. And this year there isn't really going to be a winter break because, as you say, the World Cup's taking place. So they've got to get everything finished. Uh, and as long as you make sure that you're going to be in, in the Buenos Aires area um, for at least one weekend of your stay, and, you know, ideally like two weekends of your stay, if you can do it, you will definitely um, get a choice of absolutely loads of matches, including, you know, if you're, if you're here for two weeks, then you'll, and, and not a fee for international break, obviously, um, then you'll definitely get a river match and a Boca match at home uh, during your time here. So that's the first one. And then uh, other travel tips, go to places that aren't Buenos Aires because they've got landscape and Buenos Aires hasn't. That's my main <laughs> one. Do go to Iguazu Falls because it's astonishing. Uh, try and get to the Northwest because that's astonishing. Go to Mendoza if you like wine and hiking and stuff. Oh, Mendoza's uh, beautiful. I might be able to give you some recommendations around Calafate because I'm going there at the end of this month and start of next month for a week. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful country as long as you get away from Buenos Aires. And Buenos Aires isn't beautiful, but it is a fantastic city to spend some time in. So, uh, Salta, yeah, Jujuy also. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jujuy and Quebrada de Umawaka is incredible. And the salt, salt English, then I think he, he will say to command. Uh, Tucumán's less beautiful, I must admit. Um, but it's a good place to watch football if you go with a lot of caution because uh, Atletico and San Martín have uh, fairly um, demented, demented fans. Um, if you go to Jujuy, I believe you can watch Gimnasia Jujuy, who are having a pretty good season so far in uh, well, average. Yeah, well, that, that, that does mean staying in San Salvador de Jujuy for a bit, though, which... Um... <laughs> from what I've heard, because we bypassed it, but I've heard it's not the most thrilling. Like, like the up there, the nice parts of the country really are uh, the bits outside the cities. I've seen a lot of cities in uh, Argentina, and so far, Salvador de Jujuy, uh, yes, is the ugliest one I've seen. It's uh, <laughs> not a place I'd recommend spending any more time than the hour or so it takes for your bus transfer to the Quebrada. Uh, Salt is very nice. And they must have a team in the Primera Nacional because everyone has a team in the Primera Nacional. Well, there's gymnasia, is it gymnasia Tiro de Salta. I went past a couple yeah. of stadiums in Salta and I can't remember what uh, I think, uh, um, did they get promoted, gymnasia Tiro? I think they did. If you go, in, if you go out to Chaco, you can watch Chaco Forever and that would oh. be, I think, something that will sit with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, what uh, else there is to do there is, is another... <laughs> Question. Yeah, question. Uh, and after yeah. after my trip in November, I would also recommend that you don't go to the city of Cordoba in the middle of a heat wave. Um, but given that you're going to be here in August, that's that probably going to be quite easy to avoid. No, I don't think we do have a team. I don't think Salta do have a team in um, 
in the Premier Nacional. Amazingly enough, which must make them the biggest Argentine city not to have a, a team in, the, in either top division. Uh, Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Imasitiro was the was the, the the team that was poised to to make that return, and they couldn't. They failed the final hurdle. No, they're in the Federal. Yes, you can still go to a Federal. And Central Norte, that's the other Salta side that we went past. Uh, that, yes. that I well, I I have to admit, I kind of half sort the stadium out so that I could take a picture of it. Uh, uh, and Union are the other. Union de Salta, Gimnasia y Tiro de Salta, and Central Norte de Salta. Those are the three sides in Salta. Um, and they're all in in the same group in the, in the Federal A, ah, as Santi says. Um, yeah, but travel tips. Oh, and also for travel tips, um, bring down dollars in cash for your money. Don't, don't rely on taking money out at the bank because you'll be getting a far worse exchange rate if you do. But yeah, by and large, Tommy, and you know, just get in touch. I mean, if you send me an email or send down a direct message or whatever, I'm sure we can uh, get some recommendations and meet up with you for a drink or whatever when you're down here. So please do. It's always a pleasure. Um, we haven't had any other questions. Just those two. So very good questions, I have to say, but uh, not very many of them. So now we're going to play a tiny little bit of music and when we come back we'll have mystic sam's theme music for this weekend don't go away Okay, I said Mystic Sam's theme music for this weekend. I meant to say, of course, Mystic Sam's predictions for this weekend. Um, and the weekend begins in Argentina on Thursday. That's not because we have a long weekend. We've actually just come off a long weekend, which lasted until Tuesday. Uh, but the footballing weekend begins on Thursday, as in fact, most of the weekend rounds of matches are tending to, it looks like anyway. Uh, Central Cordoba host Rosario Central at 9.30 on Thursday night. I think that's going to be a win for Rosario Central. Uh, on Friday, Union versus Platense, I think will be a win for Union. Uh, Gimnasia versus Argentinos is an Argentinos victory. Barracas Central versus Aldo Civi. I'm going for Aldo Civi to win that. On Saturday afternoon, San Lorenzo are at home to River, and I think River will win it. Uh, Patronato hosts Sarmiento, that's going to be a Sarmiento win. I think Racing will get a home win over Tacheres. On Sunday, Banfield versus Defensa y Justicia is going to be, that should be quite a good game, actually. Um, I'm going to go for Banfield to win it, but the number of goals Defensa score, mind you, the number they concede as well. So, yeah, I'll go for Banfield to win it. Uh, Newells versus Atletico Tucumán, I think, will be a draw. Uh, Boca Juniors versus Huracan will be a win for Boca. Vélez versus Estudiantes will be a win for Estudiantes because Vélez aren't playing particularly brilliantly and Estudiantes are. Arsenal versus Lanús, I think, is a Lanús win, although those tides are right next to each other in the table at the moment. They've both got four points from their opening matches. Uh, Tigre versus Colón should be a Ooh, actually, no, they're pretty close together as well, but I'll go for a Colón win. Uh, and Godoy Cruz versus 
independiente. I think it's going to be an independiente win. I don't know whether Santi's quite as optimistic, but uh, that's what I'll go for. Any thoughts on those matches, guys? Any that you're particularly looking forward to or that you particularly disagreed with my predictions for? Hmm. I think uh, I, I have the the impression that Vélez uh, this tends to be a good game. Maybe it's wild off the mark, but it always feels like that. I don't know why. Yeah, I know what you mean. Or, it, it feels like one of those fixtures that, yeah, that, that you end up looking at and you think, oh, hmm. Vélez is another team that I, I should, I, I would have expected to, to, to see them higher in the, in the table, but uh, Anyway, Estudiantes will play later for Copa Libertadores, so we have to see how the, the uh, Zielinski, if, if he will rotate the team or, or, or he will keep uh, similar players for, for, for the weekend, taking into account that he has already won four, four games, and, and in this case there are four qualifiers, four, four teams that will qualify to the, to the, to the quarterfinals, so... Uh, uh, but yes, if you only watch the table, Estudiantes will should easily win that match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, Dango. Uh, one of the games to watch. They're both in very good form. Defensive Odyssey, as we're saying, uh, probably playing one of, if not the best, kinds of football right now in the league. Uh, and that one's actually on free to air telly. It's on TV Pública, uh, which is a treat for anyone who's not got the pack football or. Well, I'm guessing he's watching from overseas. So, I don't, do they still do that thing where they uh, stream the Telepublica games live on YouTube? Or is that... Well, that the, the live on YouTube thing ended when the uh, Football Paratodos deal yeah. ended. But TV Publica do stream 24 hours a day live on the TV Publica yeah. website. Uh, what people outside Argentina might find is that if you go to that website when the game's on, it might be geo-blocked. Um, I don't know when they're still doing that. Uh, but yeah, give it a go anyway. If you Google TV Publica Argentina, um, which is spelt exactly the same way as TV Publica Argentina, if you want to do it in English, um, then you should be able to find the official website. I think it's like tvpublica.com or .gob.ir or something, isn't it? Um, and then if you find a link that says Bebo and click on it, then that will be that. That's on Sunday at 5 p.m., which if you're in the UK is going to be 8 p.m. And if you're on the eastern seaboard of the United States is going to be 3 p.m. Uh, in case you want to try and check it out. What else are you going to do at 8 p.m. on a Sunday night? I think it's made for a Banfield defensive division, basically. Indeed it is, yeah. And I'm just having a look down the recent head-to-head -head between Estudiantes and Meles, and going from most recent back in time, uh, the, the recent matches have been Estudiantes 1, Beles 0 in last season's Liga Profesional, Beles uh, 2, Estudiantes 3 in last year's Copa de la Liga Profesional, the funny complementación uh, stage where the you know, the one that wasn't the final, but it was to decide the um, Sudamericana, was it, spot that they got. Um, and then in 2019, Estudiantes nil, Beles 1. Estudiantes 1, Beles 2. Beles 3, Estudiantes 3 in March 2018. 
Uh, before that, Veles three, Estudiantes two in March 2017. Of course, there haven't been a hell of a lot of really properly recent matches because everyone only plays everyone else once in the league. Under this so it wasn't all that off the system. mark after all. No, no. There's a very good chance that it will produce some goals. Uh, and the way Estudiantes are playing, there's a very good chance that most of them will be scored by Estudiantes. Uh, Estudiantes are the, the top scoring team uh, in the competition so far, even more than defensively with DCL. They've scored 10 to defensively with DCL's nine. That's um, saying something from uh, Sielinski's side. Yeah, indeed. They're just, they're just so effective, though. I mean, they, they get forward and they threaten every time they go. Well, you know, when I've seen them anyway, I've, I've not seen all of, all of their matches, but uh, I think stick my neck out now. It's kicking off in about an hour's time, as we recall, but I think they're going to overturn uh, that deficit in the Libertadores against Audax Italiano. Because the first, they, the first leg they of that showed on was, paper. Yeah, they, they were slightly unfortunate to lose the first leg, I thought, and, and at home uh, and in the form they're in and taking it 100% seriously, they'll be fine. And they can probably start to afford to prioritise that a little bit now over the Copa de la Liga because after this coming weekend we're going to be more than a third of the way through the group stage already um, you know everyone's only playing everyone else and then plus one team from their classical opponents from the other group so there's only going to be 14 matches in the group and we'll have played five of them by the um, by the time we next record I mean we won't have played five of them but you know what I mean Anyway, on that note, I think it's time to uh, say goodbye and to work out what we're going to talk about in Hand of Pod Extra for our Patreon supporters. If you want to join our Patreon supporters, uh, I have just put up last week's Hand of Pod Extra, the one that we recorded last week um, before we recorded this evening. So you've got one extra episode already waiting for you. And we're going to record another one about some nonsense or other. We could do more travel recommendations or something for Tommy, perhaps. Uh, or reminiscences. Um, anyway, yeah, get over to patreon.com slash handofpod and sign up if you would like more of uh, our exclusive handofpod quality content, um, you know, or if you're just feeling very generous. Uh, in the meantime, thank you very much indeed for listening for another week, and it's goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> I was starting to fear you weren't listening then. Uh, <laughs> from English, Dan. I think that was a good buy from them and from something. <laughs> See you around, guys. Oh, and from me, of course. Yeah, thank you and goodbye. Okay, a couple of quick score updates for you uh, at full time. There were two matches tonight in the Copa Argentina, which we didn't mention during recording those finished Banfield 3 Doc Sud 1 and Boca Juniors 4 Central Cordoba de Rosario not de Santiago del Estero uh, 1 and in the more important one the Copa Libertadores qualifying second leg Estudiantes did indeed overturn that 1-0 first leg deficit against Audax Italiano uh, they huffed and puffed a bit in doing it they eventually managed to find the second goal very late on in the day indeed. I think it was the first minute of stoppage time for a 2-0 win on the night to go into the Copa Libertadores uh, third qualifying round thanks to a 2-1 aggregate win.